You're listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step-by-step how to meet and seduce beautiful women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week-long fling, or a long-term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. And on today's episode, I interview a man you might have heard of. And if you haven't, you're still going to find this very interesting. His name is Richard LaRuna. And he used to go by the name Gambler. That was his, his former pickup artist name, his pseudonym, so to speak. And I interview him today because we've gotten to know each other over the years through helping each other in terms of promoting each other's products and just keeping in touch about what each other is doing in their respective businesses. And it turns out that he is now retired from the industry and he's been doing it for, I don't know, maybe I think 13, 14 years at this point. And I always found it very interesting because I remember actually following his work and taking some of his advice before me and him ever knew each other back in 2008, 2009, which I'll talk about here in the interview. I actually followed some of his advice and I've heard about him and knew he was big in the pickup scene when I was kind of studying this stuff. That's all that was out there at that point. And so I really wanted to hear from him on today's episode to hear what he's been up to, but mainly just give you the chance to hear from someone who is really bad with women, who is an extreme introvert, very shy, and you know, he calls himself, that's like a loser. These are his words. And then he went from loser to the point where he was meeting lots of women, having crazy adventures, and now has the woman of his dreams and has built multiple businesses over the past, you know, decade, mainly related a lot to pickup or seduction, attraction, things like that. And so I just wanted to sit down with him and just hear his whole story. I'm just curious how he got into this and how he's continued throughout the years. And it's interesting because me and him have a lot of parallels about how we both got into this whole you know, dating scene and how we you know, found out about how you could learn about meeting women, right? So we really just dug really deep into this. And it was just interesting to sit down with him and hear his part of the story. And I think you're going to like it too. It's very motivational. It's very motivational. And that's why I wanted to do it. You know, Again, now he's not in it anymore. And and it's just not for him and he doesn't want to do the dating coaching thing anymore. That's fine. He's he's out of it and doing something different. But that's okay because I'll be here for you to help you. And I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So you're going to enjoy this. And I think it's going to be entertaining, motivational, and just very helpful for you. Don't forget, in the meantime, you can always sign up for coaching with me. But first, you have to apply. You have to go to coachedbytrip.com. The application is in the show notes. And if you apply and fill out the application to the fullest ability, then you and I can get on a phone call personally and we can talk about how we can do one-on-one coaching, whether that's in person or whether that is over the phone. I do provide both. And I'd be honored to help you if you fill out the application and you know it seems like you'd be someone who'd be a good fit. First of all, you got to be over 18. And second of all, and you got to just be able to go into detail on the application so I know exactly what you're going through. Some guys, you know, they write in the application only a couple of words and I don't really understand. So then I don't know if I can help you. Doesn't really show me what's going on. So I have to skip over that application. 
I don't want to do that. I want to help as many guys as possible. So please fill it out in detail and you and I will hop in a call and I will be able to get you to the point where you're going from the point where Richard got, you know, where he went from complete, just introvert, shy, have no women in his life to the point where now he is married to the woman of his dreams. I can help you get there. So go to coachedbytrip.com and apply today. Okay, are you ready for it? Here is my interview with Richard LaRuna, aka Gambler. Hey, Richard, how's it going, man? Good to have you on the podcast. Hey, good to be on there. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course, of course. So I said to you earlier, and I'll, I'll say to the, to the guys listening, that I wanted to have you on here because I followed you for a long time. I knew about you all the way back from 2000 and uh, I want to say 8, 2009. That's, that's as far as I've known you. You and I have known each other maybe in the past like three years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I followed your stuff for a long time and, and you were really big in, in the pickup world. And, and I thought it'd be interesting to just hear a little bit of your story because now you're completely out of it. You're even completely out of being a dating coach. And even as far as you don't even have much ties, if at all, to your business. And now you're just off doing other things. So I think it'd be interesting to hear from someone who got into this, who was in, in, in it for a very long time. At least I know for at least a decade, probably longer, because I only found yeah. you in 2009. So it'd be interesting just to hear about your experience in terms of getting into you know pickup and getting into learning how to meet women and then all the way to where we are now. So where does it all begin for you? Where does the journey start? What year do we start at? I, I quite like this because I'm not... I'm, I mean, guys can know that I've got nothing to pitch. So I'm not kind of telling my story and you're like, that story's fake. He's just trying to sell something. So yeah, this is, this is going to be um, different. I think I have a lot in common with a lot of guys that got into pickup because I, I was coming from a position of being an introvert, being very shy, unsociable, unpopular, unloved, very bad social skills, and a very late bloomer when it came to women and dating. So my, my first date, kiss, phone number, like everything was at 21 years old and sex as well, everything. And even that was kind of a fluke. So it could have easily been a lot later than that. Then I had a long relationship, almost married that girl, which would have been, you know, not a great decision. But then I was back to it, you know, more years of loneliness. At least I wasn't a virgin, but I was, you know, unhappy and depressed and all that stuff. And then... And what year is this? Just to get the time. We're talking... With my first girlfriend was 2001, and then we would have broken up 2003 or four, and then I would have been single and lonely for a few years after that. And, and, and where were you? You were in somewhere in England. Yeah, I was in, in Cambridge, England. I was living with my mum, and I was um, mostly at home. I didn't have many friends. Those friends that I had kind of laughed at me. You know, I, I, I always avoided social things. Like if they had a party or invited me somewhere, I avoided it. So I, I could actually go a few weeks in a row um, being at home, kind of like, you know, people on lockdown now. But that was 
that was kind of the the life that I led to the point where sometimes I'd go out and walk down the street and feel really self-conscious about the way I'm walking or something just because I hadn't been out in the street for so long that I felt self-conscious and felt like people were looking at me when I was walking, you know, super odd. So I have all kinds of uh, embarrassing memories of that time. But I didn't know that it was possible to be good with women. I didn't know that it was possible to, to learn how to be better. So there were the, the cool kids in the school. They weren't shy like me. You know, girls laughed when they, when they made jokes and stuff. That, that just wasn't me. And I didn't know it was possible to change. And I think early on, I probably heard of uh, Ross Jeffries' stuff. It, it seemed too silly. So I didn't take it seriously. What do you, what do you mean by that? So what, what um, year is it now in this story? And, and when you say silly, how do you mean? This was um, around that time. So whatever, like 2004, let's say five. Okay. And by silly, I meant that what I read was, it was these patterns. So it assumes you were already in a conversation with a girl and it was like, um, you know, and I, I just decided to go in a new direction. Do you feel me now? deep inside and all, all that shit, like the, <laughs> like the embedded commands. And I was like, and the thing, the thing is like, you know, there is some, some potential that that could kind of work in the right situation. But if you're already a guy that's not confident, you can't imagine saying this stuff to a girl and being worried that she's going to catch you out and whatever. So I kind of dismissed that. And then I was with my cousin in, in London in, in a Starbucks and it just happened that at the adjoining table was uh, Tyler from RSD, Owen Cook. And he was doing a boot camp with a bunch of guys. In, in those days, they did boot camps in Starbucks, in you know, the back of bars and you know, whatever. And it was super underground. And we were listening because he was talking about you know, banging chicks, basically. However, however they were putting it. But you know, it was something about how to take girls home, how to... So it piqued our interest, but we didn't take them seriously again because they were peacocking and they looked weird. So we didn't think, oh, look, those guys are obviously super playboys. But Owen started by saying, are you guys listening to us? Are you like trying to get a free boot camp? And we were like, what? A free what? What are you talking about? And he said, we're, this is a pickup boot camp. And we said, what's that? And he said, you should read a book called The Game. And it hadn't come out yet. And then it came out like a couple of weeks later. And that's when I realized I was like, Neil Strauss is kind of a, a dorky guy. He got good with women. There's these other dorky guys. They got good with women. And, you know, you look online, there were other stories. There were, you know, people like David D'Angelo and whatever. So that's when the, the journey started. And when I knew that it was possible to go from being a loser to being someone that was actually decent with women. That's so funny how so many of us, I feel like, have the same story. Mine is almost identical to yours, but we're going to tack on maybe one or two years to it. So I think I had the same experience. Not where I sat down at a coffee shop and then there was a boot camp happening. <laughs> but I, it was 2006 in the summer. My buddy goes, did you ever hear this book called The Game? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, it's like this underground pickup artist. And I was kind of like, I kind of knew the word, but I was like, what are you, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? And... And then I read the book and probably just like you, I was like, wait, huh? Like you could game this, you could gamify this. This is something that you could work on. This is something you can learn. Yeah. And then of course, then, I, but then it wasn't like I read the book and then like a week later I was off and running. And then it was another year that went by 
that I revisited this idea because then I was finally out of college and more settled into like a normal day-to-day thing. And I was like, well, now I want to meet women. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And then it all kind of came together. So for you, it sounded similar. Did you get the book and you were just obsessed from that second diving into material or what happened after you? Yeah, I, I spent uh, at least six months consuming massive amounts of material. So there was like the David D'Angelo interview series and I listened to all of those and all his video products. And at the time, there were a bunch of companies mostly that don't exist anymore selling, selling products. Can you name the, These days, Pickup 101, Bad Boy Lifestyle, the original Mystery Method DVD set, <laughs> uh, all, all of the David D'Angelo products and Swing Cat ebook, Juggler ebook. There were, there were just a, a yeah. bunch of ebooks, even weirdos like Gun Witch, who later, I don't know, he got convicted for murder or something. You know, oh there, there was stuff online and there were a load of products, and I downloaded everything. I had an MP3 player and I'd listen to the audiobooks, then I'd read, then I'd make notes, and I'd just be many, many, many hours a day consuming the material, watching the videos and yeah, just hours and hours a day and taking notes at the same time, but not trying anything yet. <laughs> oh, of course. Obviously, obviously. obviously. Why, would I, why would you try and actually talk to some women? That's the hard part. Yeah, I know. It's so funny because I, I went through the same thing. I mean, months and months of listening to things, never trying anything. And I'm sure there's people right now listening to this we're doing the same thing. They're binge listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast or watching the YouTube mm-hmm. channel and they're not doing anything. So first bit of advice here is you got to do something with it. Like You got to go and do something. It's inevitable. Whether it's going to be now or a year from now, better to start sooner than later. So how long did it take you to get started and actually put things into practice? It took at least six months and it, it didn't really kick off until I decided to move from Cambridge to London where I was in Cambridge, everyone that knew me, which wasn't that many people, but I had a few acquaintances and friends. They saw me as kind of the dumb loser, virgin guy that I'd, I'd always been. And that creates you know, an expectation of failure from everyone else. And you can't really change in their presence. Like that, that's my view. It's very hard to go from like an ugly, badly dressed, unconfident, guy who sits in the corner and doesn't say anything to be in the life and soul of the party and be in the cool kind of James Bond character or, or whatever you imagine if you stay in the same environment with the same people like they just won't let you do it because they want to keep you in that role and that that's how it is so it it took me moving and it took me kind of starting fresh and then not knowing that I'd only slept with one girl, you know, my flatmates in London and meeting lots of new people who gave me a chance and forcing myself to be sociable immediately so that their first impression was good. And that enabled me to create some kind of new identity where I was a yes man, you know, always trying new things, going out to saying yes to all the party invitations and meeting people from the forums online, like the pickup guys going to salsa classes, going to weekend acting class, like anything that I thought about for a minute or two, whether I should do it or not, I decided to do it. So moving was a, was a key step. I don't think I would have 
become like a you know famous playboy living in my mum's house in, in Cambridge with my same friends that that bullied me at school or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting too because I had something somewhat similar. It was, it was actually the inverse. Is I was living in California at the time when I discovered all this and when I started putting things into practice. And at that same time, I had friends that I was living with or friends that I've made that, that moved away just because. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of fell into place where I, I was sad that they moved. But because they moved, it didn't keep me in my box. And I was able to more comfortably make some friends that were interested in learning this stuff or people that wouldn't be cool. very judgmental about it. You know, I still had other friends that weren't doing that and they kind of knew what I was doing and they didn't care. You know, that some were just like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to join you in this, but do whatever you, you know, want. And it was fine. But when I would go and practice this stuff and, and put this stuff out there, I was doing it with people who were also interested in it, you know? So it made it a little bit easier. It sounds like that same thing happened for you too. Yeah, basically. And I think that this is established that there's anchors and associations, right? That we all have in our life to places, to people, to routines, even to clothing. You know, like people say they have a lucky shirt or whatever it might be. And it really does exist. So changing as much as possible about your environment, associations and behavior when you want to change your life, it it definitely works. Absolutely. Okay, so now you're out there, you're, you're starting to put it into practice. What was one of your first that you can remember? I'm sure it was, yeah, it was such a long time ago. What was one of your first moments where you go, wow, this stuff is working? The things that I'm practicing, the things that I'm learning, the abilities to be more social, this is, this is working. Like it kind of gave you even more fire to keep on going and push it further? There were a lot of breakthroughs. So I remember in a coffee shop, actually, that same Starbucks, because there was a huge Starbucks in Leicester Square, London, that was just a great place to approach women. And I talked to a group of three girls and they stuck around and smiled and were laughing and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is... This is just crazy. It felt like you know Je- Jedi powers. But there was girls actually standing and, and choosing to stay there and talk and seeming to enjoy it. Obviously, like I just uh, got terrified and made it an excuse to leave. But that was the yeah, that was like a, a huge progress moment. And then like first everything, like first time kissing a girl that I've just met, first time getting a very pretty girl's number, first time getting compliments, you know, just all of that. So, so many firsts come in thick and fast. And also a lot of failures and hard times as well, you know, girls that I really liked and they'd meet me for a date and not want to meet again and stuff like that. But I'd, I'd always say, well, a few months ago, she wouldn't have even gone on a date with me. A few months ago, I wouldn't have even had five seconds with that girl. A few months ago, I wouldn't have had the balls to approach her. So. I managed to like reframe even the failures and and uh, stay positive and you know keep the progress moving and I wasn't too focused on the end goal I was focused on just getting better and getting that incremental improvement and one of the things that I saw you know to fast forward on into the future guys that didn't do as well were just focused on the end goal like they were a virgin they wanted to get laid 
And they were disappointed anytime they went out and didn't get laid. And it's like, dude, you're a virgin. First be happy having a conversation, then be happy getting a number that flakes, then be happy getting you know a number that doesn't flake, then be happy getting a kiss. Like break it down into the steps and reward yourself for each step. And I did that naturally. And I think that's essential for anyone that wants to get better. Yeah, I agree. No, again, another parallel. I was so focused on the journey without even trying because mm-hmm. I was so excited by the little incremental movements I was making. I would get pumped by that. You know, I mean, yeah, just like, yes, yeah, similar to you, just getting that positive reaction from a girl that I never thought I'd ever talk to and doing mm-hmm. it all sober. It just like it, it was blowing my mind. So it's like my mind just kept getting blown. And, and that sober thing was so funny back in the day. It was like, don't buy girls drinks, don't have any drinks, no alcohol. And it was all because like Mystery's dad was an alcoholic or something like that. It was like all these PUAs going around drinking tap water in the bars. No, yeah, that, that's where I got it. No, it's interesting. That's exactly where I got it from. I think it was in the game when they were talking about yeah. go out and just drink water. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, like I was so into that idea too, because they were into it. And and but but it's funny because I still I still go by that and go by the rule. Like it, it does make sense. Like it's it is harder. I found it more mm-hmm. difficult to be able to focus in conversation or just kind of know exactly what's going on around me if I was even slightly intoxicated. Like it wouldn't help being... Oh no, I got into drinking. I've got to disagree with you. <laughs> what, you say you disagree? Yeah, I, I definitely had a few drinks. Drink? I'm quite good at just having enough drinks and then stopping. Okay. And like to stay out till 4am and to be, to be smooth and just the right level of unconscious, not overthinking, and okay. just the right level of smooth and going for things without hesitating and stuff. It, it was good for me to have a, a few drinks. We, we obviously didn't do that when we were training, but just personally for me going to nightclubs and having some drinks was all right. Wow. <laughs> Definitely yeah. saved, saved my liver in the early years, for sure, when I wasn't drinking anything and saved a lot of money. But yeah, and I kind of changed a little bit later. Yeah. No, no. For me, yeah, for me, it was, it was the opposite. What happened was I, I learned all of this with no alcohol. Because I, I found that before that, when I was drinking, it wouldn't do anything anyways. Like it, it would still, it would, would not help me. So then when I was able to communicate and socialize, no problem without it, I was like, well, I'm good now. Let me try doing it again. And I would do it. And I'm like, it's like when you're learning in one environment and now oh. you're in another environment mm-hmm. mentally, it threw me off. I wasn't gotcha. as quick. I wasn't as focused. And, you know, maybe it would help a little bit with the, you know, internal anxiety or just, you know, dealing with some of those fears. Cause again, that's kind of what alcohol does to you. Mm-hmm. But I found that even though that might have happened, it didn't help with my skill set. Like I wasn't just on it and as gotcha. smooth as I was. But that was just my experience. I'm sure everyone's different, like, like for you. So, okay, so you had all this motivation behind all these little wins and you were focused on the journey more and you were seeing, then, you know, I assume you were seeing lots of success. When was the moment for you when you said, okay, I'm going to quit what I'm doing or I don't know what you were doing at the time and then move into teaching it? Where was that? What happened was, during that part? 
it was pretty soon. It was probably two months. But the funny thing was, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to become a coach to make loads of money and to, you know, to charge as much as I could. So I was charging like under $30 an hour from the beginning for one-on-one training. And remember, I had this immense theory knowledge and then I'd approached hundreds and hundreds of girls over these two months. And I was so kind of dialed in that I was actually a really good coach, especially for $30 an hour, even though I was sometimes training guys who had slept with way more women than me and, you know, should have been cooler. They, in any case, didn't have the experience of doing day game or whatever. And I would do these 12-hour one-on-ones four or five times a week, take a guy out. I had to demonstrate the first few approaches. Then he would do some stuff. Later we'd do, you know, he could get me to do something again in the nighttime. And because of that kind of intensity of focus on performing, and on watching a guy and understanding what works and what doesn't work, watching the woman he's talking to and seeing her reactions and, you know, getting tuned into that. I just got way better with women as well from, from coaching. So that was a, a big step up. And then in terms of the business, it just scaled as I became kind of more popular, better known, could charge more, started doing the boot camps and different events, you know, wrote the book and all of that stuff. It, it kind of it kind of just went from there. But it, it definitely didn't start with me thinking, this is a great market to make some money. It was really, let me just see what... Like, I love, I love this stuff. It's so fascinating for me. So let me just try and make it a job as well. And that will force me to be even more professional and even more dedicated. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, yeah, same here. I was just... I wanted to do it. I just wanted to make a living doing something that I really loved. So I was Mm -hmm. like, as long as I can make a living off of this, and this can be something that I can be happy doing, then fantastic. you know. And it's interesting too that you said that it sounds almost like you got your master's degree in the whole thing. You know, I, I quote your master's degree as you were you were coaching. You got better when you were coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'd say there's probably a lot of different jumps or levels that you went through in terms of then starting the business. Like I remember, I got your free DVDs in two. I told you this <laughs> in two thousand and eight. Yeah. You know, Stealth Attraction or what, what, whatever it was called at that point, mm-hmm. and then. So funny too at DVDs. I can't believe that's a thing that's yeah. isn't that funny? Yeah. It's not a thing that we use anymore. And so at that point, I'm curious what happened from there to maybe like 2016. Was it just you working on the business? I remember you were doing so many boot camps, but then you stopped eventually. You just weren't into it anymore. Yeah, we were doing lots of boot camps and we were doing them in Europe and in the US. And it, it got to the point where we had our kind of office team, the marketing side, and it was like, oh, we don't have enough people on the boot camp in London. And oh no, now this one in Austin is busy, but the one in Chicago doesn't have enough people. What should we do? We need to promote it. So we were kind of scrambling to manage the products business and the live events business. And it turns out that a pickup live event is not very profitable. It's like 
you need to have a good student to instructor ratio. The instructors are all um, generally people that haven't had real jobs before, so they can be a bit flaky and have big egos or, or whatever, like they're difficult to manage. And it's, it, it's just not like one of these uh, business seminars where it's like one guy can talk to a hundred people and charge a thousand bucks each or something like that. It's like once you take out the cost of the trainers and the venue and everything else, there's not that much money left. So it's just a bad business model. And that's why the live event companies just, just never, never, <laughs> never made a lot of money compared to the products businesses. And it was just a defocus. So it's purely a business decision that we, we basically were copying the model that Mystery came up with of doing boot camps. And Mystery wasn't a great businessman. That was just, you know, what he came up with. And, um, that's why we stopped doing it. But yeah. in that time, I also definitely lost the, the kind of love for teaching because there's only so many times that you can have a guy that's got approach anxiety and you're like, come on, dude, come on, you can do it. And then have another guy that's like, oh, I like this girl, she's at my work, like, what, what should I do? And then the other guy, like, what opener should I use with the chick at my gym that I like, you know, not to be harsh, but the questions are all all the same after a while and they're really special or deep in terms of making you think. So after a number of years, I really felt like I'd seen and heard it all. And pickup is not that complicated. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, something where you can dedicate yourself to, you know, physics or something and study it your whole life. It's a bit simpler. Yeah, there's an end point to what you can learn. There's a ceiling in terms of what's interesting too about it is it can take you to other places. Yeah, loads of other places. You can be learning yeah. other things. You know, mm-hmm. it, that's one of the things I've I've found at least in it is you learn that and you go, well, I just learned that. What else can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, what else can I do? Entrepreneurship. What else can I do? Other skills. What else can I? You know, so it's yeah. interesting where it can take you. But I, I would agree with that. It definitely there's a cap on. There's only so much to learn. There's there's the general principles and you know some of the techniques and some of the things to be better at it and that's pretty much it. You know, it's interesting because you know, I've been doing this now not as long as you. You know, I started in 2011 but really didn't start getting off the ground until 2012, 2013 mm-hmm. and ever since then I've been answering the same questions even last week I think I was answering the same questions approach anxiety. What do you do for that? <laughs> girl girl at my work. What do I do for that? Oh, there you go. I'm in the friend zone. What do I do for that? You know, what's text. the best opener? Right. What text should I send? What yeah. text, now it's what text should I send? What's the best text? And I don't know, you know, and, and it's obviously different for us. You know, you've been in it for a while and you just have other things. For me, it's, yeah, there's points where I'm like, oh, wow, this question again. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I have this kind of like fire under my belt. It's like I want to keep helping people and like just see how many more guys I can just transform or help. Yeah. And I still have the passion for it. I hope it keeps. I'm not going to say this is necessarily going to be forever. Who knows? I hope mm-hmm. it is though. You know, I hope that I'm doing this forever. Maybe it evolves into more, more expands into more of helping men in other ways. But no, I, I get it. There's, you're, you're not alone in that. I know a lot of other people and I know you know people too. Yeah, who moved on. A lot of people went to teaching business. That's that's the next step for a lot of these 
either pickup artists or dating coaches, they go from that to now I'm going to teach how to build a business. And you're yeah, that's strange. You know yeah, especially if they haven't built a big business, it's strange. But yeah, that seems to be, <laughs> it seems right. to be a, a trend. Yeah. What's interesting too is I see someone like Tony Robbins. He's been doing this for 30 years at this point. And, yeah. and I'm like, dude, you're just answering the same questions. You're talking about the same stuff. There's only so many people with so many unique problems, even in his field, which is all personal development. We're talking yeah. money, uh, emotional pain, relationships, yeah. but he's still doing it. He's still got the fire. And I, 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 I don't get that. I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's kind of a wider question about life, which is like, when do you, when do you stop doing something? And I don't get what motivates some people some people might hate being at home so much. Some people might not like not being the guru that people look up to and having like fans around. Like when you do it that long, it's, it's strange. Like obviously it doesn't need the money, but he's got high status, maybe gets off on that. The thing about, you know, for me, I, I don't want to personally answer these questions again. Because I've answered them all. So if you want to read my stuff or watch videos, like it's all there. Like I can't, I'm not going to tell a hundred more people individually about approach anxiety. Even if they want to pay me, I'd rather not take that money because they could pay someone else less, someone who is more motivated and much cheaper. So I actually defer any requests to train with me to other people regardless of the money. So that that's my position. But yeah, I mean... Is people it, who reach out to you, but you still have people who are seeking out, you know, because you're... What was... Uh, Gambler was your pseudonym, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So do you still have people who are reaching out to Gambler who still know yes. about you and, and, and are like, I want coaching with you? Yeah, I mean, my, my books still sell and... The YouTube channel, I don't post on there, but over time it's had 25 million views. And then, you know, people, yeah, people for different reasons in different ways find my stuff and still write into uh, Philomena, who is like my assistant in London, and she will uh, deflect them to coaches that we recommend usually. Got it. Got it. So this is interesting. So now where are you? So then you went into... Then you started creating a video game, Stealth Seducer. What's it called? Super Seducer. Super Seducer. Super Seducer. Same alliteration. So yeah. you started creating that. Even though you still got sick of answering the questions, you still sort of stayed in it. I'd like to think the Super Seducer is a little bit different. It's at well, least, yeah. um, it's at least, yeah, it's like an interactive movie. It's got a lot of comedy elements. And it was it was a new challenge. So I mean, something that I've always tried to keep in my life is you know doing something new and interesting when when it's been offered. So in the early days, that was like the media stuff, the TV, uh, radio, especially the live TV or the the big shows was a big deal. And the video game thing is just I like games. <laughs> I play video games and it was a big opportunity to do something that hadn't been done before. So it was interesting enough and uh, it made sense to use my, my pickup knowledge. But 
Having said that, now that we're making the third video game, we're going to make that one the last one, even though we're sure that number four, five, six would all make tons of money, maybe like a million dollars each. We, we won't make them. So Why there's even a point, because I don't want to, because I've now done three of them and it's not yeah. interesting. I don't want to do it. So yeah. Money is not a motivating factor for you. There's there's something else. I'm curious. I'm curious it's, what that is. What what motivates you to to want to do something? Well, something should be interesting. So we we could do a, a different type of game, but we wouldn't want to do a, another super seducer. So we're doing the third one because we we announced it and it had wish lists from the point where we launched Super Seducer Two. We added the kind of button to wish list number three. And it's got 14,000 people waiting. And when we launched number two, it only had 6,000 people. So it's already more than that. So we were watching that build up. We were like, okay, we better make it. But we didn't do anything in 2019 and we're going to release it in 2021. So we, we had a break. But it's really like, it's hard to do that. There's some things in business that are really hard that I don't want to be doing. So you know, 12-hour one-on-one is, is very hard in, in pickup. You know, filling in forms and, you know, doing tax stuff is, is hard. There's a bunch of stuff that's hard and annoying in business that I wouldn't want to do. And filming for 14 hours a day is really hard as well. So I, I don't want to do that either. So it's more like arranging life so that there's stuff, uh, so that there's not the stuff that I don't like doing and that won't kind of stress me out, shorten my lifespan. and you know, you kind of look at the, you can't get that time back. You're going to die. And are you going to be happy you worked those extra days? Like for me, a dance is no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that means what's next for you? What's after this? You're not going to do another super seducer. Where will you take it from here? Everyone asked me that. And it's, it's actually mainly Americans ask me that because Americans are more driven to kind of always be grinding and hustling. I mean, all these words, the like American lexicon, like yeah. they don't come, they don't come from other places. Like try saying that stuff in the Mediterranean, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So it's yeah. um, it's about like living how I want to live and arranging the days how I want to arrange them. And if a business, an interesting business challenge arises, I could do something in business. I don't plan to. And if the rest of my life is just waking up and doing what I want to do and never doing any work again, that's okay. I can, I can be okay with that. Yeah. And that's good for you. I don't want to be an Instagrammer or, you know, I've got none of those ambitions to be famous or, you know, any to build my platform and have clout and all of that stuff. Like I'm happy being quite anonymous and just being the happy guy that you never really hear about. I think that there are a lot of unhealthy drives, you know, like to get more likes and followers and views and all of that stuff to like show stuff to other people. And really, if you, if you just sit down and you think like, was what I just did good for me? Did it make me happier? Did it make me a better person? Did it help anyone else? You know, kind of thinking about how you should spend your time from that from that vantage. So 
there's days that I have that I really enjoy, you know, spending time in nature, with spending time with people I, I like, eating good food and being free, sleeping enough. Like there's, there's things that I like and that uh, create a good day that make me happy. And when I have some annoying project, even if it makes money, it usually stops me from being able to do that stuff. And that's, uh, that's kind of the sacrifice that I'm ha- I was happy to make when I, when I was trying to make money. But now that I don't need to make more money, I don't want to do that. So with all this being said, is there anything you would have done differently? Or are there any you know, regrets or anything like that that you've had in, in your journey or what you would have done? There were lots of business mistakes. Um, in, in terms of, you know, I, I was very unhappy when I was bad with women. So would I change that? I don't think so because I like the contrast now that I can look back and appreciate it. I think that I did, I did well in terms of dating lots of different women before I settled down so that now I'm married and I'm 39 and it feels right. I'm not thinking oh, I didn't sleep with a girl from Brazil or, oh, I never went to check out the girls in Sweden. Like, I've done all that. So it's it's not like I, I feel like I'm missing out. I, I don't at all miss going to clubs because I just did it to death. Uh, I went on so many dates, so I don't miss dating. So uh, I'm kind of happy with what I did from my love life perspective and the only thing would be, you know, some business mistakes I could have deleted and it would have caused some, you know, less stress that I could have done without some, yeah, just, you know, whether trusting the wrong person or doing a deal I shouldn't have done or whatever. Yeah, that's just the name of the game though, right? It's never going to yeah. be uh, perfect. Yeah. Every journey is imperfect, but that's what makes that's what makes the growth happen, you know? Yeah. Cool. Basically, no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good for you, man. Well, listen, that's awesome. It sounds like you're, you're happy. It sounds like you're at peace. If it, it seems like you've found just uh, a good place for for your life, and and that's that's awesome. That's commendable. So good for you, and you've definitely helped a lot of guys in the past, and and you know it's been uh, it's been quite the journey for you, and you're still very young. So obviously, lots more left. <laughs> you'll you'll get into something different in the future. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll be curious to hear about it. All right. Cool, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Awesome. Well, that's it. We're not, we're not promoting anything. We're just here to chat and just talk. Yes. Please don't buy any of my stuff. Don't guys, ever buy a thing. That pirate it. Pirate it. You can <laughs> yeah, steal find... it. Yeah. Steal it. Exactly. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks so much. It was good talking to you today. And uh, we'll keep we'll keep in touch in the future. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Okay.